Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We have this year, once a month, asked the question, why did my Savior come to earth? Why would he do that? Why would he give what he gave? Why would he offer such a gift? It's a whole lot deeper than sometimes we think about. Why would he volunteer? There are a number of reasons given in Scripture as to why he said that he came. Today we come to the text where he says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. For a few minutes, I want you to think with me about that verse. Consider the things that Jesus is saying. And maybe for the first time, Hear the real reason why he came. Because I think I've heard it for the first time. Let me begin by asking a question that's simply this. What does it mean to be lost? Jesus came for the lost. That's what he said. Well, then we need to understand the loss. Who and what are the lost? I don't have to go very far in Scripture to find that answer. After the sin in the Garden of Eden, we find out in Genesis chapter 3 that the loss included the creation. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground from which you have come. For dust you are, to dust you shall return." The creation was lost. God made a perfect environment. Everything was exactly right. All that we needed, all that we ever could need, it was pristine. And it was lost. Have you ever had the experience of someone borrowing something from you, and when you got it back, it was damaged, destroyed, messed up, abused, mistreated. That's what happened. He gave this perfect environment, and it was lost and abused and became something he never intended for it to be. He didn't want to have us have to deal with earthquakes and tornadoes 
and hurricanes. He didn't want us to have volcanoes. The creation was lost. The creature was lost. At the end of that chapter, and man was driven out of the garden, and a cherubim was placed at the gate with a flaming sword turning around. Man was lost. The relationship that had existed in that garden was gone. It was lost. And now the creation God had made, the relationship he had, was lost. And Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So, what does it mean to be lost? I went back a number, a few years ago anyway, to my hometown. We had lived in town just two blocks from the middle, from the elementary school when I was little. And we only had about an acre of land, but the back of that had never been developed. It was just thick woods and a small, well, of a cave in the limestone. I remember as a kid making my first journey back into those woods, and I got far enough back in there, all of a sudden everything was brand new. I had never seen that part before. I didn't know where I was. To be lost is to say, I don't know where I am. And number two... I don't know where to go from where I am. It's funny how that works because when I went back, it's amazing how small that territory was and I got lost anyway. That's what happens. To be lost is to be in a place that you don't know. And not to know how to move from that place to another place. When mankind was driven out of that garden, it was in a place he'd never been before. Experiencing things he'd never had and had no idea how to return. And Jesus said, I came for the lost. Today, if you don't know where you are, and if you don't know how to get somewhere else from where you are, Jesus said, I've come for you. Number two, Jesus came to seek the lost. This word seek is a word that means to investigate to a binding resolution, to search. 
to get to the foundation of the matter, to figure it out, to understand, to arrive at the proper place. That's what this word seek means. Jesus said, I have come to seek the lost. It's not a matter of saying, well, I don't know where they are, and therefore I'm going to go and look and find them. He knew where they were. They didn't know where they were. And Jesus said, I came to seek. Now here's what I think I've seen for the first time. I give it to you for consideration. Seeking comes out of groaning. To groan is to have a deep urgency, a feeling something's wrong and I want to fix it. And therefore, because of groaning, there is a seeking. We groan. We're tired. We've had enough. We're disillusioned sometimes. We don't know where to turn. And in that groaning, we begin seeking to satisfy the groaning. Solomon was groaning. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and in verse 10, he said, I set my heart to no vanity. And in the Ecclesiastes writing, we find out that he, in his groaning, seeked to satisfy it. He sought for a way to get it satisfied with all of the pleasures of this world. In effect, to drown out the groaning. Riches, pleasures, relationships, everything the world offered. Groaning leads to seeking. But in the end, we find that he realized that all of those things to satisfy the groaning in the heart just don't work. And so in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. We groan, and we will seek either to satisfy it with the things of this world or with the things of God, because the groaning must be satisfied. 
Have you ever considered that Jesus came to seek because God groans for us? Romans 8 and verse 23 says that we groan within ourselves. We want it to be fulfilled. But verse 26 says that the Spirit, when we pray, the Spirit makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I never considered that before. I don't think that's Paul saying the Spirit is using a mystical language, and we call it groanings, that we can't understand. I think he's saying this. The heart of man praying to God, seeking him, longing for him. The Spirit, God, groans within itself because we're lost, we're in need. We need help. And he groans. God groans for us. I miss you. I want you back. That relationship was lost. And God wants to retrieve it. So where was Zacchaeus wanting to land in his sinking? Where was he wanting to go? What was he attempting to do? Why was he seeking? Well, maybe he was there in Mark chapter 2. Maybe he was there because a bunch of tax collectors were there. And the Bible says that the tax collectors were there and the people over here, the Jews, were saying, he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus said, those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick, and I've come to call them. Maybe Zacchaeus was there when he heard Jesus respect them, want to be around them, eat with them, when the people said they are terrible sinners. Maybe Zacchaeus said, he wants me. Maybe Zacchaeus was there in Matthew 17. When, as the text says, there were a number 
of tax collectors gathered, as there often were in and around what Jesus said. And the question was, should we pay taxes or not? These tax collectors are cheating us. Should we pay? And Jesus said, give me a coin. Whose picture is on it? We'll pay him. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but render to God the things that are God. And then he said to Peter, you go out there and catch a fish. And when you pull it out, there will be money in his mouth. You take it and pay our taxes. Maybe Zacchaeus was there. And Zacchaeus saw that miracle. Maybe he was there in Luke 15. A bunch of tax collectors were there when Jesus told the story about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And Zacchaeus heard about the lost. Maybe he was there on the occasion when the tax collectors came to Jesus like the other people were and wanted to be baptized. And Jesus said, you don't collect more than you should. Maybe Zacchaeus was there. So why was he now seeking Jesus? Why did he go to all the effort to, to go through the crowd being so short, to climb a tree, to be able to see Jesus? Maybe he was seeking him to verify, to get to the point of saying, this guy? He cares about me. He does miracles. He preaches great concepts. And he challenged me to do better. Maybe he arrived finally at the point of saying, yes, that's the Jesus I'm looking for. He made it. He accomplished his purpose. He wanted to know. And as he stood there or sat there in the tree, he was groaning himself. And only Jesus could satisfy him. So why did Jesus seek? What was the point at which he wanted to arrive in his seeking when he came here? Doesn't he know all things? Doesn't he understand all things? So what is he doing here? What's the purpose? What was the final point he was trying to find? One. Maybe it's like what he said in Luke 18 and verse 8. Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? He came to see. If faith really does exist, 
Can people really be faithful? He, he came to seek to get to the bottom point of saying, what does it mean to obey Hebrews 8 or chapter 5 and verse 8? He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And he came to get to the point of understanding what obedience means like all of us need to. And he came to get to the point seeking to understand what does the second death taste like? Hebrews 2 and verse 9. He tasted death for us. Not physical death, because we all die. But he tasted death that we don't have to die. Separation from God. He came seeking to understand that. That's the point that he arrived. And he was groaning. Which is why he was seeking. Because we needed him. And he wanted to satisfy his groaning. Third, he came to save that which was lost. He came to save them from the evil one. A number of passages in the New Testament Talk about the evil one. Like his parable in Matthew 13, that when the seed of God is sown, the evil one can come and steal it away. John wrote to young men in 1 John 2, and he said, I'm writing to you young men because you've overcome the evil one. We all know that we've been taken in by the evil one. And Jesus came to save us from him. But number two, he came to save us from ourselves. The account of Romans 1 says this, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. God's wrath is being revealed, not has been, is being. He goes on in chapter 1 to say that they sinned and he gave them up and they went deeper. And then he gave them up again, and they went deeper. And then he gave them up again, and they went deeper. The history of mankind is that we will continue to get worse and worse and worse if something doesn't stop us. The wrath of God is God having a hands-off approach to say, 
If you want to destroy yourself, you go right ahead. And humanity walks down that path all the time. He came to save us from ourselves. There are many New Testament passages that speak about we corrupt ourselves, we fall into corruption, we hear those who teach that which is error, and we follow it. And Jesus said, my groaning causes me to seek you and to save you. Because notice, groaning leads to seeking that wants to be satisfied. God groans for us. Jesus sought us. And it satisfies his groaning when we are saved. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. In closing, notice the contrast. One chapter ahead, Luke 18, another man came to see Jesus. Lord, good master, what must I do to have eternal life? This rich young ruler was told, you know the commandments, keep them. All these I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And he went away sorrowfully, for he had great wealth. He looked for Jesus, but he looked for eternal life as it relates to materialism, the things of this world. I, I want to be eternally alive here. I want to have everything here. But Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector who was wealthy, Jesus came to his house. And now, because of his groaning, because of his seeking, and in order to be satisfied, he saw that Jesus was really who he said he was. And he said, If I have taken anything unlawfully, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. And he was satisfied. Zacchaeus groaned, sought Jesus, and was satisfied with the salvation that he offered. The rich young ruler groaned, looked for Jesus, but was not satisfied with the answer. 
and left in a lost condition. Today, if you're groaning inside, if there's something missing, if you know that there's something not right, God's groaning for you. He wants you. He desires you. And he's done everything he needs to do to make that possible. Today would be a great day to seek the Lord. And in doing so, to find your salvation through your immersion into Christ, your return from which you have strayed, in some way to say, He sought me, and now I want to be found. Our shepherds will meet you here if you need us. Let's stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.